This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights, the final one of the 2021 season it's all come down to this. We are about to preview the national championship. Obviously, if you've been listening for more than a couple episodes, you know that this was a big one for us for more than one reason. Uh, and uh, I, uh, I I can't stop freaking out about it. Before we get into our preview, let me introduce my co-host. I'm Madison. I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Uh, mixed emotions. Uh, certainly this week... Uh, a lot of nervous energy, a lot of, uh, you know, trying to, to reel back some of my expectations um, and kind of rein myself in. Obviously, uh, first and foremost, just an incredible season uh, all around. Uh, great to have full crowds back in uh, attendance. Um, and it all comes down to this. And, and, you know, it's funny. You know, there was this expectation all offseason uh, from, from the Georgia fan base that this could be a year where, you know, things might align and we've got the talents and whatnot. You never know what's going to happen throughout the season. You, you know, you can have injuries in certain key spots. And, you know, it was an awesome season, so much fun to go through. Obviously had the come-to-Jesus moment with the SEC championship debacle. Um, but we're here. We're here. And, uh, you know, maybe we're too stubborn to, to know when we're just not, uh, you know, just maybe not the national championship type team, but uh, we're we're gonna go into into Monday and 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 hope for the best here. It's uh, we're excited to break it down. Obviously, uh, it's it's a weird game to break down because we've broken it down already. Um, you can kind of talk about this until you're blue in the face, and 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 at the very end, go well. But I could see everything under the sun happening. So, um, we're, we're excited to hear your take on this. I'm uh, my brain is spinning. I've I've thought about every every scenario possible in this one. Uh, but man, once uh, once we get to Indy on Sunday, man, the juices will be flowing, and it's uh, I'm I'm ready. It's 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 time to get the show on the road here. Absolutely, obviously, we've beat around the bush enough. We're big Georgia fans. We're heading up to Indianapolis on Sunday. We will be in attendance for this game, one way or the other. It didn't go well for the SEC championship. Uh, I happen to be there. You, Pierce, were not. Hopefully, I'm not standing in the concourse, rage trying to rage leave. Nobody else in my row, none of nobody else I was with would leave the game, and I just couldn't stand to be there anymore. So I ended up watching most of the fourth quarter, uh, or listening to the fourth quarter from the concourse of Mercedes Benz, hoping it goes better for us on Monday night. Hey, really quickly, I, can I just really quickly say, I get that it's it's you know because to make well way for the NFL and stuff, but it is an absolute crime that the national championship is on Monday night. It's a topic that gets absolutely beat like a dead horse every single year, but it should be on a Saturday. Gosh, darn it. Uh, it'd be easier to travel to. There'd be more fanfare around it. And I mean, the season's played on Saturdays. Why would you not have the national championship on Saturday? Uh, it doesn't matter for me. I'm taking Tuesday off of work. It's not like I have to get up and go to the office, but in years past, there have been times where I feel like I can't even stay up for the game being over here on the East coast because it's just done so late. Uh, so I, I, that, that, I gotta get my soapbox for a minute, but I, I know you agree with me there. That's an absolute crime that this game is on Monday night. Yeah. It's just weird because, you know, it, it's interesting. It doesn't make as much sense to me. I get the, the whole, 
you know, the money-making slots on primetime television on Sunday and Monday nights. There's a reason why the NFL has, you know, those primetime Sunday night NFL games and primetime Mondays. Those are the ones that draw in the most viewers. Um, so while I do understand it, uh, it, it is it is a little bit strange. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I know that the NFL does have – they pick up those Saturday games and they play a couple of them, uh, you know, the last two or three weeks of the season once college football regular season finishes up. But, yeah, it is weird, but I, I'll tell you this. You know, it's funny. It's going to give it that that big game feel. And I know that's kind of goofy and kind of weird uh, because just it makes so much more sense to have it on Saturday. But, man, when it comes to Monday and, and you know, 99.9% .9 of the uh, population here in the States are at work and we're in Indianapolis gearing up for, for the game of, uh, you know, of the season, it, it's going to really – it's going to be a special feeling, um, and, and I'm excited to soak all that in. But, yeah, you're right. It is weird. Although, hey, without a Monday night NFL game, I, I mean, hey, prime time, baby, let's roll. That's, uh, that's, you know, college basketball, I think, does that too. I think they've moved it to Sunday now. I believe you're right. Um, but, Sunday but would be better stomach. I, I could stomach Sunday. It, I mean, obviously you, know, you can't because of the me, NFL, but. Yeah, to me, though, Sunday is – if you're going to do it on Sunday – there's no difference in Monday in all honesty, you know, like Saturday gives you the whole weekend to go and, and pal around. You're not, you know, doesn't really mess up the work schedule. Uh, but if it's going to mess up the work schedule, uh, which it would for me on Sunday, Monday, so be it, baby, let's bring on the big game atmosphere. Well, it is part two of the game of the season, as you just so monikered this game. Uh, obviously, part one didn't go great, but a little bit of maybe some deja vu, maybe a chance to right the wrongs. Before we jump in, Pierce, I don't necessarily, we're going to do a big breakdown of all of the bowls, uh, but let's just talk about how we got to this national championship matchup real quickly. Uh, I was in attendance for the Orange Bowl, lucked my way into some tickets last minute, was not anticipating what happened there uh, with the Dogs and the Wolverines. The early game, of course, was more anticipatory. Uh, Alabama taking down Cincinnati in dominant fashion, 27-6. to Nobody really gave Cincinnati a shot in hell. They didn't prove worthy to beat Alabama. Now, I don't necessarily think that I would have rather seen any other team there. I just think that it's Alabama, Georgia, and then a major drop-off. The group of five school did get a chance to come to the dance uh, and next year, of course, since there's not next year, when is it 2023 or whatever, Cincinnati's going to be a big 12 team. So they'll get more shots at this all in all the great season for the Bearcats came up short ultimately versus the Crimson Tide. But like I said, a lot of people anticipated that one. I didn't get to watch this one all that closely. I was en route to Miami Gardens to watch the Orange Bowl. So, uh, you know, obviously caught the highlights and stuff. But again, I didn't necessarily want to rush back to watch it because it was going to be such a beatdown. What were your thoughts here with the Cotton Bowl? between the Tide and Bearcats? You know, first and foremost, uh, got to give credit to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, there was all this talk uh, for the last two years. Now, do they deserve to be in? Are they good enough to be in? What if we put them in? Are they going to, you know, hold up their end of the bargain? And I can say with 100% certainty that they were deserving of that spot. They played, um, you know, maybe not their best game, but but they're a good football team, a very worthy football team. Hell, I think they were, Definitely the 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 team that held up their end of the bargain more than Michigan, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I was a little bit surprised. You never know how these coaches are going to perform and call plays um, in these big games. Uh, you know, when it's you know it's David versus Goliath, and 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 you gotta be you gotta be very aggressive, but it's got to be calculated aggression. And since these game plan on offense was just very mellow, they were hoping they could get some run established. 
They weren't really able to do that. It seemed like every single one of Desmond Ritter's passes were, you know, three to seven yards downfield. They weren't taking many big shots. They did have a couple opportunities. Um, and Alec Pierce, their their star receiver, just couldn't quite make the plays um, early in the game there on, on a couple, you know, I say deep. They're really only probably 15-yard passes. But um, you, you knew that since he was going to have to open it up, and they never did. I, I did not like their conservative game plan on the offensive side of the football. But at the same time, you also know, hey, listen, we know that if we get aggressive early and, and, and make some mistakes, this could be a runaway freight train and we're out of the game in the first quarter. So I, I do understand that, but you, you got to be a little bit more aggressive offensively. But on the flip side, man, I thought Cincy's defense had a pretty good game plan. And it's funny, you know, I'm thinking of it a lot, you know, in, in terms of how, man, can, you know, maybe Georgia follows in the footsteps of Cincy with their game plan, you know, drop a lot back, try to get pressure with four, give up you know, some running plays and, and which Georgia didn't, didn't allow in the SEC championship game, but it didn't matter because Bryce Young was just throwing it all around the yard and we couldn't get to him since he was able to, to, to get some pressure on um, Bryce Young. Some of the receivers had some issues getting open uh, as consistently as they have in the past. Um, and so since his defense did a pretty good job, it wasn't sexy. You know, they were getting gashed on the run, but they were committed to dropping their DBs back and, and not getting beat every single possession uh, by some of their, you know, some of Bama's weapons on the outside. And, and they really, you know, kind of, I wouldn't say confused, but really put Bryce Young in some, some, some tough situations where he had to decide, do I want to force this or do I want to just, you know, take the, take the easy quick dump down or, you know, three, four five yard run play and, and get out of bounds type of thing. So, um, you know, since he deserved to be there, they, their defense played up, played a pretty good game. It wasn't perfect. Sure. Would love to see their offense, uh, you know, take some shots and, 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 you know, have some wrinkles in there, uh, you know, kind of, you know, you look back and golly, you know, Boise state had to run a couple trick plays to get their big win against Oklahoma back in the day. I mean, TCU did it against Wisconsin. Those teams that are under man, undersized, undermatched, they've got to try a few unique plays. And since he just didn't quite, they just didn't look committed to doing that um, in this game. So a uh, valiant effort, uh, but it was, uh, it, Visually, just watching it, you kind of knew right away, okay, into the first quarter, whew, I don't know if uh, this Cincy team can score. So um, you kind of knew, and it was a pretty boring game from then on out. But get props to Cincy and uh, get props to them, man. They didn't have to show too much. They just went about their business. They, they took the, the easy plays, took the, took the quick, you know, four, five, six, seven-yard rushing plays and, and not, you know, and, and just gashed them to death. And uh, so – um, pretty status quo there. Um, it was good, definitely, if you're a Bama fan, to see the running game get back. Brian Robinson's obviously uh, a lot healthier than he was in the SC Championship game when he was hurt with a hamstring, as well as, I believe, an ankle. So, um, But boring game, but give give props to Cincinnati. Um, they, they, they definitely deserve to be here. On the flip side, Georgia also took care of business, like I said earlier. That was one that a lot of people anticipated would be a very close one. Myself, I believe, included. I think I picked Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. 34 to 11, the final there in the Orange Bowl. Dogs absolutely dominated the Wolverines. And, you know, I don't know, Pierce, if it was. I've heard this take a bunch, and I would agree with this. And I, you know, I think I even was spouting this take a little bit. We acted like Georgia was done for because of what happened in the SEC championship, as if they hadn't dominated for 12 games of the season. And they showed exactly why in this bounce back game against Michigan. You know, bounce back is a liberal term because of the fact that uh, it's a long way in between conference championships and the actual playoffs. But you just know that Georgia was just absolutely still had red in their eyes. They were ready to go and they 
they showed that on the field. I thought Stetson played a lot better. I thought the defense did a lot better, obviously. I mean, Michigan thought that they had Georgia's number, or at least it would be closer. The offensive line walks into the stadium wearing run the damn ball t-shirts. That didn't work for them. Uh, it, it was just all in all. I mean, it was up. we were up 14 nothing before. I could even really realize what was happening. The dogs were already, you know, it already felt like the game was in hand. And so that's kind of how we set the scene here. I'll get your take really quickly on what Georgia did against Michigan, because uh, I think a lot of people were shocked, maybe not necessarily in the outcome, but but in the way, the fashion in which it happened. Yeah, Georgia offensively, uh, Todd Munkin, got to give him props. He's been outstanding all year. Um, you know, listen, Stetson is uh, what he lacks in size and arm strength. Um, it, you know, it kind of, he makes up for it in other areas, but he also has the luxury of having a great play caller who's who's out there putting him in the best positions to succeed. Um, so, so got to give props to Munkin, a great game plan. Stetson, obviously, it was very, very, very apparent that they were telling Stetson, get this ball out of your hand quickly. I mean, every time he, he was getting it out within a second of him getting, uh, you know, most of the snaps. Um, a lot of quick p- passes to, you know, outside, uh, allowing the speed of Georgia's weapons to, to really kind of dominate in this game and, and stand out. And, and Michigan just lacks that speed, um, really, in all areas on their team. You know, big, physical, um, strong team. But, man, they, they didn't even hold up their end of the bargain in that regard, too. It was just an absolute dismantling. You knew this defense was going to be, uh, you know, ready to go, chomping at the bit. Uh, they've been, uh, you know, fuming ever since that SC championship game. I did hear something just recently, um, which will be interesting to get into here in a little in a little bit. But apparently <laughs> from someone that I uh, listen to each week uh, break down some key games, he said, according to his uh, a very, very, very close good source of his, that uh, that um, Davis was actually playing the big boy number ninety nine, Jordan Davis was actually playing with COVID in the SC championship game and was a shell of himself. So um, he'll definitely be back to uh, to one hundred percent in this one, ready to go, um, and and that'll be key. But yeah, you know, it was Trayvon Walker, uh, Jalen Carter, just absolutely dominating those guys on the on the line of scrimmage. Um, really stopping their run and and Michigan similar to Georgia in a way they love to set up the the play action passes with the run the run is a huge part of what they do and their success on on hitting big chunk plays and without any any sense of a, a threat of run Michigan couldn't really you know play run many play action passes um, and and get those DBs to bite uh, just because they, they 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 weren't doing anything to really test the run game. Uh, I mean, Georgia was just absolutely locking it up. It was very apparent, apparent here. It was, you know, that very first handoff that Georgia went for like 13 yards. You kind of knew, Oh boy. Okay. Well, if it's going to be that easy to run the ball, that just makes it so much easier on this offense. Stetson played out of his mind. Uh, obviously Brock Bowers had another great game. Um, it was just an, an absolute, an absolute butt whooping on, in all facets. Um, and, and, you know, I think when we broke it down, I, I caught myself last a uh, couple weeks ago when we were breaking this down, rambling when I was breaking down this game because, you know, we wrongfully we thought this was probably as Georgia fans thought this was going to be a loss and uh, or at least a really hard game, and we thought kind of the sky was falling. And uh, the boys obviously picked pick, picked themselves up off the mat and, and and went to work, and boy, they were pretty pretty darn determined to get this one done and get back to try and. Uh, make up for that uh, debacle in the SC championship game, and they certainly did that. So give them props. I, I certainly think uh, – I don't know if you caught it uh, on the sideline. The boys were trying to douse Kirby with Gatorade, and he turned around and absolutely laid no. into them. 
Um, and, and I think most of this, uh, if not all this team is, is kind of on board with that. Um, uh, this, that game did not mean anything other than the, the, the stepping stone to get to the, the finale. And, and that's where we're at. So, you know, uh, some interesting things with Michigan, though, to, to give them some props. I, I did like what J.J. McCarthy did. Obviously, freshman, young guy. Love the fact that they played him for over a full quarter. You know, he's been the guy, the change of pace quarterback that's come in all season, um, you know, for a few plays here or there. Um, you know, bright things ahead for him. Obviously, he was very impressed with what uh, Michigan did with Donovan Edwards, uh, running back. Um, freshman who uh, Georgia really wanted bad, a highly coveted running back. They used him as a Swiss Army knife, thought he really looked good. So, you know, Michigan has a bright future um, if they can complement good line of scrimmage play uh, with those young freshmen. They also have a receiver who's uh, pretty talented. So this isn't the end for Michigan. Uh, it's certainly, certainly, I'm sure, stung for them because, uh, you know, the, the mantra was, well, we're going to go do what Ohio State doesn't do every year, and that's hang with an SEC team physically. And uh, they 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 got firsthand experience on why Ohio State fans have been, you know, what they've been going through the last, you know, five years. Obviously, they did get that one natty back. What was that? Eight or nine years ago. So they've done it before, but it's been a while. And Michigan learned firsthand how uh, just the speed and the size of the SEC, these top two SEC teams are just uh, hard to match up against. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not necessarily going to please the rest of the country to see two SEC teams in, but I think that's what we're we have seen a couple of times now. I mean, there LSU, Bama, obviously back in what was that eleven seven eleven whatever, uh, and then you've got a couple years ago when it was an all SEC Georgia and Alabama, and now you're seeing part two of that matchup, a rematch from the SEC championship game. I got to think that the rest of the country is not super thrilled about it. I mean, we know that just the West Coast, not as bought into college football as they used to be. Uh, you know, I got to think that outside of some of the more blue bloods of the Big Ten don't really care. Big 12, I, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much the South, so they probably care. But the point is, it's really become a very regionally dominant sport, and that's what we're used to seeing. And, and, and you're going to see the best of the best go against each other here on Monday night from Indianapolis for the kit and caboodle. Uh, interesting, interesting tweet, Pierce. Oh, you got something to say about that? Yeah, I just had a question. Yeah. This is the first time we've uh, we've we've spoken since uh, since the game. Um, what just out of curiosity, because I've seen different uh, reports. What was your take on the uh, um, percentage of Michigan fans to George fans? It felt Michigan dominant. Uh, certainly from where I was sitting. So I was just for context, if you're, you know, uh, Miami gardens is almost pretty square like, and I was kind of up in the top corner, um, of the Georgia end zone. So I was looking out and it felt very Michigan dominant. Uh, they certainly did start leaving relatively early into the third quarter. Um, but if, if not, if it was more Georgia fans, they certainly weren't as loud as Michigan. I mean, Michigan felt, like the uh, like they had the a little bit of a slight edge there, um, and and we stayed down on South Beach. We we I really was only in Miami for thirty six hours, so I didn't do any of the fanfare leading up to it. I got the hell out of Dodge come uh, you know the next morning, but uh, it felt like walking around South Beach that it was felt more Michigan heavy. Now actual stadium, like I said, not a, I didn't have a fantastic vantage point necessarily, but I would have given the edge to Michigan for sure. Cause, cause I think based on what I've heard that a lot of the Michigan folks were like, we don't want to stay up there in, in, you know, the, the snowy white tundra right now. Let's get down. Let's party for the week. And I certainly have some friends from college who 
our Michigan fans, and I know that they stayed a few days after to kind of let everything die down. Obviously, they were sad. They thought they were going to be partying in, in Miami after the game, but uh, you know, they, they already had this trip planned to kind of make it a full week. Not No need to stay uh, up in Michigan, you know, as opposed to the Georgia fans, I think, kind of came in for the maybe, – maybe less so, but it felt like it was a lot of Michigan fans coming and camping out for the week, if that makes sense. So the reason I ask is you kind of talked about, you know, it's the state of college football right now is very regional. Um, and regardless of how Michigan, you know, what the fi- final score of the game was, it, it, it just as an outsider, um, you know, removing my my Georgia cap, it was it was cool and refreshing. And we know how this is to see a new team in there. I know Georgia isn't thought of as being in the upper echelon with Ohio State, Clemson and Alabama because they haven't won one yet. But they're right there. That you know, if those are one A, they're one B, and if you know, with a chance to get in here. But yeah, it's it, we know how it is. Twenty seventeen when we got in, and and the amount of fans and the crazies. Now Georgia's a, a very one of the top fan bases in the country, if not the best at traveling. I mean, it's a pretty rabid fan base. But man, you know, you saw how you know the Rose Bowl in twenty seventeen, and then the Natty, where it was like seventy five twenty five Georgia to Bama and Atlanta. Sure. Um, but it was cool to see and, and all the Michigan fanfare, and you knew they were going to be excited. It's a very proud fan base. They hadn't been in the situation um, since the CFP era. I mean, gosh, I think it was 20-something years since they were in a BC, like a, a legitimate you know, chance to win the national championship. So, um, you know, it was cool to see that. And I'll tell you, it was loud the first couple drives. It, it was pretty loud. And Oh, yeah. I, I, I heard mm-hmm. differing reports. I heard some reports that were like, oh, expect 65, 35. Then in, in the game, I heard some reports 50-50. Um, but now I, you know, I've heard some more reports after the game that it was a, a pretty hefty percentage was on Michigan's side. So, but always good to see, uh, you know, some of these different teams pop up because if that was an Ohio State, sure, it, you know, who knows? Maybe it was a slightly better game, but the fanfare and whatnot and just the excitement w- would not have been there. And uh, so it was nice to get some uh, a, a proud fan base and a proud program to get that excitement. It, it really kind of elevated, I thought what otherwise would be a pretty dull college football playoff, uh, you know, run, run here with the two SEC teams. Yeah. And this, I definitely think this needs to be an off season podcast topic to talk about playoff expansion. I, it, I heard a podcast earlier this week saying that those talks seem to be dead in the water. I, I think you still get to the same conclusion that you're still seeing the same three, four teams. You know, I think that Clemson's going to be back here in a couple of years. I think that Ohio state is already one of my early favorites for next season. Um, you know, we'll see what can happen out west if Lincoln Riley can turn USC around, things of that nature. But I think you're still going to always see a Bama, a Georgia, an Ohio State, maybe a Clemson, maybe an Oklahoma situation. Uh, and so, but but expanding the playoffs, could you imagine if the Rose Bowl this year, that game between Utah and Ohio State had been a playoff game? It just would have absolutely been even more electric. And I think, admittedly, I didn't even watch much of that game because I had other things going on. So I checked in every once in a while because I love college football. But at the same time, it wasn't something I was glued to my TV because I wasn't. it, it didn't mean as much as what I had just seen, which was a playoff game in Miami. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we got, we will, we'll tackle that in the offseason to talk about playoff expansion and, and our best, uh, what, what, we, what we would like to see from the future from that standpoint but let's, without further ado, Pierce, let's let's get into what we're about to see here on Monday night. Like I already said, we're traveling up there. I know you don't go to a lot of games, so big, big deal that you're uh, that you're venturing into uh, eight degree weather. Eight degrees, I think, is what the uh, the temp- temperature is going to be when the game ends. Luckily, Lucas Oil is inside, but it doesn't matter. It's still going to be dang cold coming in and out of that stadium. Hopefully, the lines aren't too long because I I got thin Southern blood now. I've moved even more more south. 
uh, and watching the snow fall down in Nashville made me shiver, uh, you know, in, in, from, from Atlanta. So uh, I, it's going to be cold. That being said, uh, I think the game hopefully should bring some heat uh, and we'll get into it, like I said. But Ross Dellinger tweeted this out. I wanted to go ahead and throw this stat out for you. I know that you and I know the numbers, but for the people listening, just so you really know the heartbreak that we have gone through from a fan base, uh, Georgia and Alabama have played four times since 2017. You obviously have the 17 national championship game, the 18 SEC championship game. 2020, they played in the regular season. And then in 2021, most recently, the SEC championship game, 240 minutes of football between those four meetings. Georgia has led or been tied for 171 of those minutes. 71% of the time they have been in the lead or tied and they are O and four. So there's a lot of this monkey on the back, finish the drill type moniker, Georgia curse, battered bulldog syndrome, whatever you want to call it. There's just a level of discomfort as we head in here. And, and, you know, obviously what we saw a month ago, a month and a half ago at this point, or yeah, I guess month, basically a month, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, in the SEC championship game in Atlanta, doesn't give you a ton of confidence. That being said, you got to feel good about what Georgia did versus Michigan. I'm going to let, I'm going to kind of let you go and give your thoughts. And I'm just going to kind of give my prediction because I know that you can really break down the X's and the O's, but really quickly, obviously from a totality standpoint of you got older guys, more experienced guys, uh, you've got tech, I mean, the same amount of talent, but people who, you know, statistically have been super dominant this year with Georgia, but you've got some cutting edge X factors on the other side of the ball with Alabama, obviously Heisman winner, Bryce Young, uh, Nick Saban, the GOAT, the best of all time to ever do it, is their coach. Um, Mechie's out, that helps a little bit, but Jameson Williams looked amazing in the SEC championship game. Um, I, it, To me, it comes down to, do you take the sum of all factors with Georgia and hope that they are, they you know, that December was a fluke, or do you look at what the X factor is and you say you really have to have those X factors in today's day and age to win college football games? I've gone I've gone back and forth a lot. We're not even going to look at the line. It's three points, I think, the last time I looked. Georgia, the favorite, which doesn't make me happy at all. I would rather be the uh, the underdog here. I certainly, as the lower seed, you'd expect it. Um, that being said, pretty cl- pretty close game. I, I really, truly don't know what we're going to anticipate seeing. Uh but I, but I, I, I really, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts and then I'll give my pick, but I'm not confident. I'll put it that way. Well, that, that whole, you know, three seconds, that's how I am. That's exactly how I am because, you know, when I want to lean one way or the other, I, I backtrack and I just go, well, but this could, I mean, literally, I'm not kidding you. I could see anything under the sun happening in this game. But for the purposes of breaking this down and, uh, you know, ultimately, sadly, having to give a prediction that I'm not sure I feel comfortable giving, um, you know, this there, there are some interesting storylines. And I do think that, you know, for all the people, uh, uh, you know, despite Georgia being a favorite, all the people on Bama's side has me a little bit excited. That's certainly a good spot to be in when the public's on one side um, and the line's not moving like this. So. From a betting perspective, it is very interesting to see, and I don't expect this line to go above the three because I don't think that Vegas is going to allow sharp bettors um, or pro bettors to middle. And by that, I mean they probably jumped in on maybe Georgia at two and a half, 
And if it gets to three and a half, four, they'll jump on Bama so that if it's a three point game, they can win both. Um, but regardless, uh, interesting, interesting things to break down here. Um, obviously, in, in the first the first affair, you know, one Setson's best game. Obviously, uh, it's been a, a topic of conversation really all year uh, for as well as he's played. Uh, he, he has a tendency to, um, you know, make some mistakes, try to force some things and, and get himself into trouble. And, and it's in a lot of times it's in spots where it's not needed. Um, so that'll be a key, uh, but but more so than that, Georgia's been fantastic all season on first down. Um, you know, this this running game is good. It's not, you know, there's not a game breaker necessarily like a Nick Chubb or a Todd Gurley or a Sonny Michelle or someone like that who you can give it to 25 times and he probably is going to break one or two to the house. But it's uh, it's kind of death by a thousand cuts and, and a lot of uh, different gadget plays with a lot of the different running backs that we have on the team and what they provide. So, um, but getting the ball, getting positive yards on first down is going to be key. Um, and Georgia's done a good job of that all season. They didn't do that all that well in the SEC championship game. So let's see if they can write the ship there because you get into third down with Stetson third and long, and those are where you're going to get the force plays. And unlike in the, in the Michigan game, Michigan's defense is going to be able to hang with the speed of Georgia. Obviously, we've seen that. So Georgia's not going to be able to do the the quick, you know, quick, uh, quick out routes or quick, you know, uh, swing passes out in the flats and let our guys kind of make the one on one win and, and you know, get eight, nine, 10, 15 yards. That's not going to happen against this team. So they've got to hit passes down the field. Obviously, play action is going to be a big part of that. Um. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head how the running game was against uh, the Tide. Obviously, you know, it started out great, and then it just the looked like a runaway freight strip. Yeah, I can't it, remember I averaged 3.6 yards were. a carry. Okay, so that's not terrible. It's not ideal. But remember, you know, after the first quarter, it, it was a runaway freight train, and, and we started chasing. Right. I don't know if we ran the ball and stuck to our, you know, our typical script. Right. Um, Abandoned but, it. You know, it, yes, yes. So, you know, certainly I, I, I think – it's going to come down to Stetson on the off the side. Um, Scary. It's going to be, it is, it is. But listen, you know, if he can, if he can, I think Munkin's got a, he's going to have a great game plan. I think he's ready. I think Stetson's ready. Um, and and it, those first down plays are going to be key. Now, a couple things that I haven't looked up to see what their status is in the game, but um, something interesting to note, Bama's playing, uh, you know, with some, some key injuries. Um, you know, one of their, uh, Job, one of their DBs, who's been very good on the back end for them, um, is out for this game. Um, they're playing a JUCO, three-star JUCO guy who's coming in, who's not someone that you know Bama team really usually goes after to, to fill spots in their team because they usually have all five stars, um, you know, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. So um, very interesting. Obviously, you have McKinstry on the outside. This this Bama team is going to need to do what they did, and that's get pressure on Stetson. Um, without the blitz, Stetson does a good job against the blitz. Um, obviously, he uses his legs, and he's pretty effective with using them, even though it looks like he's uh, running uh, for his life, which he is. He's a small guy. Um, but uh, you know, so so how how you know Will Anderson needs to to be another big reason why uh, you know Stetson forces some bad throws or gets you know sacked. And let me so ask that's this: be key for Bama on the on the, that side of the ball as well. Georgia did a really good job of shutting down Aiden Hutchinson, who was the runner up for the Heisman trophy from Michigan. Now, whether or not he deserves to be the runner up, we can get into that debate later, but Will Anderson, I believe is a little bit more talented, but certainly from, you know, you, you're able to shut down 
in Hutchinson there, do you give them much more of a shot against uh, Will Anderson? Or is he that good that you, you're kind of going to have to hold on for dear life against him? Or do you think, hey, they, they figured it out and Aiden Hutchinson was, was proof of that? Well, and uh, you know he did. He played well in other areas. I mean, he's he's probably the best defender in college football. Oh, in no my doubt. Opinion. Um, he. I don't know if he got if he registered a sack. He certainly you know disrupted many plays. Um, and 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 did things in other ways outside of you know being that just get after the quarterback and take him down two or three times type of uh, uh you know edge rusher that we're used to seeing from him. Um. I do think this front, this front's got it. This Georgia offensive line has got to play better. Um, they've got to play like they did against Michigan. Bama's going to be a, a tougher test um, up front, especially with some of the guys in the inside. Um, you know, and and you still got Will Anderson on the outside. So that that unit needs to be locked in. They have to be locked in. Um, but I, I think they're capable. I think they're and I think they're ready for it. It was uh, it was one of the groups that was, you know, kind of embarrassed in the SC championship game. So they've had a chip on their shoulder for over a month now. So I, I, I'm, I'm sure that they're going to come out and play well, and, and quite frankly, we need to. But, you know, you look at it on the flip side, um, golly, it's, it's, it's tough because I love the fact that Georgia's coming into this game with a chip on their shoulder. They obviously showed that they, you know, worked on a lot of things uh, over the last 30 days to get prepared for the Michigan game. I'm sure there was even some prep for the Alabama game in that lead up. But it's always scary to pick, you know, to, to feel great about it about one side when on the flip side you have a, a dude who can just win on his own and and that's what Bama has with Bryce Young it'll also be interesting to see if they are able to run the football you know they pretty much abandoned the run in the SC championship game and and realize you know we don't necessarily need this to win right <laughs> and quite frankly they didn't need it to win big and in a dominant fashion so you know I think you'll see more runs I think Robinson being healthier um, than he was in the first meeting will certainly help. Um, but that'll be an interesting part for me, at least, to see in this game. Uh, where is uh, where is Brian Robinson and how committed are, are they to stopping the run? On the flip side for Georgia, man, this D-line, who they played probably the best game of their uh, of the season against Michigan, and, and they're another unit that was uh, you know whipped and really struggled in the first meeting. They've got to be the Georgia de- defensive line that we've seen all year. They, they need to play the best game of the season, and I think they can do that. Um, I, I, I'm i sure one or maybe both of these guys will be ready to go, but um, two offensive linemen for Bama got injured in the Cincinnati game and were unable to return, so the right side of their offensive line um, does have some question marks. That'll be interesting to watch. Obviously, Mechie going down in the SEC championship uh, really hurts having – only one guy that really, you know, can take the top off your defense or, or I shouldn't say that, that can dominate a defense, I think is the better way to phrase that. In Jamison Williams, having only one of those guys, you can kind of game plan. He's going to get his. You can kind of game plan around that. Whereas if you've got two guys, that's really difficult. It's 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 where's, you know, where are both of them? Yeah. Instead of just where's one, let's just, you know. You got to think. Him. You got to think that Kirby is just like shut him down if nothing else. To your credit, to to that point, you know you only have one guy to worry about. You know uh, you just if you do nothing else, shut down Jamison Williams, uh, and you you certainly take away that X factor a fair amount. So you got to imagine that Kirby's you know just absolutely blistered his guys and has a good game plan with Dan Lanning drawn up to 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 shut Jamison Williams down. Uh, but but you know give us a quick little preview. I know that there's not been a ton of X factors. Those are the names you know, but. 
I mean, Bama is Bama. They, they've got a plethora of other five stars on the team. Is there anybody else on offense? Is there a name that we should be looking out for aside for Jamison Williams? Um, I heard some some talk about maybe their tight end really stepping up here. Um, I don't yeah. know his name, but he's also number 19, just like Brock Bowers. So, yeah, you know, so, maybe so him. They're, they're, their traditional tight end is, um, I, I forget his first name, Latu. Um, he's been their more traditional tight end. Um, but, yeah, you're speaking of, I believe, Billingsley. Who yes. Maybe hasn't been the uh, the the dynamite performer that people thought he would be this year, but man, he's a mismatch nightmare. I mean, he's one of these bigger receiving like tight ends that can that can really cause problems. So you're right, that's a definite name to watch those two tight ends because, um, you know, those are gonna be those are gonna be guys that that Bryce Young's gonna be looking for um, on quick passes more so, and when the when the deep ball is not there, um, especially if he is running, uh, you know, for his life at times. Those are two guys that are going to be in the middle of the field ready to get the ball. So those are going to be some interesting spots to watch. Um, this game really, uh, you know, if, if it was Stets, if it's going to be Stetson Bennett on, on, and, and first him on first down on the offensive side, uh, the other side of the ball, it's got to be this D-line. This D-line really struggled to contain Bryce Young. They did a really good job against Michigan. But here's what's interesting about that. How many times did McNamara get sacked stepping up in the pocket and running but not fast enough to get downfield? Bryce Young's going to get downfield. So right. I think, you know, while this defense has to get pressure in the, in the SC championship game, Kirby brought a lot of pressure that the defense, Dan landing, they brought a lot of pressure. They brought blitzes, all sorts of things. And Bama knows how to defend all of Kirby's moves. Basically it's going to be getting pressure on Bryce Young without having to bring extra bodies because you can't leave these guys on islands on the back end. They're the, Bama's receivers and, and weapons are just too, too, too tough to consistently hold down um, in with man to man. So, they're going to need to get pressure, but they're also going to be need to be very disciplined. Um, they're going to need to get pressure on the outside. I think Nolan Smith has to have a big game um, on that outside. And then it's going to come from the middle. It's going to come from Trayvon Walker and Jalen Carter and, and Jordan Davis in the middle, not allowing Bryce Young when he does step up to have lanes to run because that's where he killed us in the first game. They've got to do a good job of containing Bryce Young because when he is in the pocket and, and you do good pressure on him, he is – susceptible to making some bad decisions or to, to being inefficient. So it's when he's out of the pocket that he is as good as there is in football today. Um, so, you know, it, it's tough. A lot of what ifs, a lot right. of uh, things need to go very right for Georgia. But I'll tell you this. If Georgia plays like they did against Michigan and Bama plays like they did against Cincy, I think Georgia wins this game. Okay. But well, don't give your official prediction yet. Bama, how much was Bama showing against Cincinnati is one thing. Um, you know, certainly who, uh, you know, some of the injury uh, questions are going to be also interesting leading up to this game. Do they get some of these guys back? Um, but it's uh, whew, a lot. I just broke a lot down, but a man, lot. I was uh, like, do I need I to could, give him the I wrap it up sign for another 20? I know I could I could go for another 20 minutes on this, but uh, it's it's just fascinating because you've seen these teams before. And, and it's like you also got to think, OK, Bill O'Brien probably used a lot of his best design plays and whatnot against George the first meeting. How many of those are going to be new plays that Georgia hasn't seen and is not ready for? Right. So that's another interesting thing about this game. It's it's a fascinating. You got the two best teams. A lot of fascinating stories. I know I'm probably we're in the you know minority here as far as the fascination because, like you said, outside of this region, 
probably no one gives a crap about a rematch. Yeah, um, I don't even know. I, I, you know what? I would say that it is. There's a lot of interesting things. There's a lot of question marks. I don't know how fascinating it is because we have seen these teams before. I think a Cincinnati Bama was more fascinating. I think a Georgia Michigan was more fascinating. I think if you threw in, you know, uh, you know, if, if, if Oklahoma State had made it, that's more fascinating from the standpoint of we haven't seen it yet. We've seen these teams against each other. Georgia has yet to get over the hump for a lot of the reasons you just outlined, you know, getting pressure on Bryce Young, uh, you know, uh, being able to scheme things up offensively, which is the part that scares me the most. If you are going to get in a shootout, do you really trust Stetson Bennett? Fantastic story, right? I mean, a, a guy who just grew up a Georgia fan, wanted to be a, a dog since he could talk uh, and really just wasn't a good enough prospect to to make it, but turned down offers to go places thought maybe he might be a Sanford Bulldog and go to my alma mater but he turned down those kinds of offers to go walk on at Georgia and give it a shot and of course you know he's just buried in the depth chart and things of that nature and he leaves to go to a junior college goes to Jones College in Mississippi where a lot of people go to try to make it on a power five team and ends up back at Georgia as a walk-on again and obviously then gets his his you know, time in the sunlight. Sorry, what, what let were me you correct say? you. He was actually not a walk on again. So when I he thought that they brought him Jones, on as a walk on and then gave him a scholarship. No. So when he okay. went to Jones, um, that was the year. Uh, I think that following year was when Justin Fields transferred out. Yeah. And we didn't have anyone that we felt comfortable with right. behind from. Right. So we, we went and gave, gave him. him. Okay. So anyways, regardless, yes. he ends up back at Georgia. He, uh, you know, gets the gets or he gets told basically there's no shot of you of you playing he's buried behind uh Dwan Mathis and Jamie Newman Jamie Newman opts out Dwayne Mathis Dwan Mathis looks terrible in his first outing against Arkansas the next thing you know he gets his chance to lead the team does pretty well save for a couple of games last year in the 2020 season uh, I mean this is a guy who put his name in the transfer portal nobody was interested so it would be an unbelievably 30 for 30 type story it'd be Rudy-esque if you will if this man gets it done against Bama, it scares me because in this day and age, you want the Heisman quarterback. I mean, you always want the Heisman quarterback, but in this day and age, we're not used to seeing the Jake Cokers of the world, the Greg McElroys of the world winning. Blake Sims. The Blake Sims of the world winning national championships. That used to happen, but nowadays we're seeing Tua Tungavailoas and Joe Burrows. And, uh, you know, you obviously you could potentially throw in Bryce Young, seeing how this goes. So, and what's the commonality, Pierce? Those are all Alabama quarterbacks that I'm listing because they're people who have got it done. We're used to seeing Bam in this setting. We haven't yet seen Georgia get over the hump. I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction, and it's because of everything I've just said. I think Bama wins this game. I think that we are in for heartbreak again. I think it's close. I think Georgia leads in similar fashion as they have been, and I just think that ultimately Saban has Kirby's number. Kirby's not willing to make the income adjustments, and he proves once again that we will not get it done. And I say we because this is that that's just showing you the level of care I have for this game. We will not get it done if Saban is there. I really, truly, honestly believe that. Nothing has shown me anything that thinks that we can. If we were going to get it done, it would happen in the SEC championship. Now, caveat, if you are going to get the monkey off the back, you want it to be in a game of this magnitude. You don't want to do it in the 2020 regular season. That's no good. Look what Texas A&M did. Texas A&M doesn't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, we've certainly seen uh, Auburn has done it, and they don't win the national championship. You know, so you want to get the monkey off your back in a game that really means something, and it can be like we got the monkey off our back and we did the damn thing. But I don't, I don't have faith in Georgia. I don't have faith in Kirby against Saban. I think he's a great coach. I love the fact that he's still 
really young. He's 10 years younger, Pierce, than Kirby or than uh, Saban was when he got to Alabama. Hopefully Saban's gone in the next 10 years and it's Kirby's, you know, uh, chance to really run the league as uh, Saban has done the past decade, 15 years here at Alabama. I just don't think he has it in him. I don't think that the Georgia defense is able to stop Bryce Young as dynamic as he is. I think he could run it back and win a Heisman again next year. I think that's how good of a quarterback he is. And I think Will Anderson is a nightmare for us against a Stetson Bennett who's a shrimp. I do not like the dogs in this one. Give me the give me Bama. I think the final score is they beat us by 10 to 14. This one, uh, sadly, feels uh, I'm in the same boat as against Michigan. My my biased fandom, I, I, I can't do anything but pick Alabama. But if you look at, if you take that bias away and you just look at these two teams from a non-biased perspective and you break it all down, yes, they're the top two teams. Yes, they're very evenly matched, uh, you know, talent-wise. But I'll say this, when we went to the SEC championship game, I picked Georgia, and I love Georgia, and I, I picked Georgia because I thought they were the better team. Now, Bryce Young obviously showed that, you know, you can't, uh, you can't make up for not having a, uh, an elite quarterback on the other side. You, you said it, you know, there have been those uh, quarterbacks in the past for Bama that have been, you know, not, they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination. They're, uh, they're more game managers. Um, that's not the case with Bama, and if you look at who they've lost to in the in the national championship, it's been Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence, and so it's been big name guys. However, I'm gonna go with the dogs in this one. It's too good of a story. It's hard to beat a team that's that's you know equal to you twice in a season, especially when you know you, you've seen them in a you know a month before, and uh, you know you, they left that bad taste in your mouth. It's 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 you take you take any any sort of uh, you know hold back that this Georgia team has, and you let this these guys absolutely go eat. I'm thinking that this defense is going to be the key, though. I think you're going to see. I'm predicting a 27 to 17 win by Georgia. Now, if Bama goes out and wins by 24, would that shock me? Hell no, hell no, it wouldn't. Because again, they got a guy who might be the most dominant player when it comes to being able to lift his team up and carry him on their back since Cam Newton. He doesn't necessarily need elite players around him to win. He's just that good. He's just a, a baller. He's, 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 he's more of a, like an and one basketballer, just can absolutely tear through any, any opponent he's got. But if you've seen, they, they, they've had too many close calls this year not to have another close call here. It wouldn't be... It just doesn't fit the narrative to have them come out and blow out Georgia twice, who was definitely the second best team or, you know, in that top two tier when they had some scares against teams that were not very good. Obviously, uh, you know, golly, if, uh, you know, Stetson obviously has a a bad game again, that could go south. But I just think that this team is ready to go. I think um, as long as they don't have some mistakes on the back end of their secondary, like they did in the first game, I think this D-line is going to eat – Bryce Young's going to get his, uh, but I think Mechie out is going to be a big deal, and 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 I I look for this team to come in and really test them. I think Brock Bowers will have another big game. I think I think Munkin will have another great game calling. I, I think uh, I think a lot of what he did in the Michigan game is probably setting up different plays against Bama. It's all got to go right. I get that. 
I'm going to bite the bullet and take the dogs. I just, I feel like it's, it's, it just feels too good and too unique of a story and situation not to pull through for me. I know that's a scary thing to admit because it's like, well, you got to have everything go right, but it just, the storylines are there, man. And it just feels too good to be true. And I think, uh, you know, win or lose, it'll be a great season. These guys left it all on the field, but I, I, I don't think, let me put it this way. I don't think Bama is head and shoulders above Georgia to where they can go out and do the same thing they did in the SEC championship game. So I'm looking for a close game. And if it's a lower scoring game, I actually like the dogs to pull through. You've seen it. Those low scoring, when you, we hold those other teams to low, low points, those are the games we like to be in. So I'm going to take the dogs. I certainly don't, uh, you know, certainly don't endorse that as a gambling pick, but uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take them. If you're going to take them, I'd go money line. What's your uh, final score prediction? You got one? 27-17. Okay. That is my final score prediction. I think it's lower scoring. I think the under hits probably. Um, I don't know what it's at right now, but I don't think we're going to see the high scoring, you know, 40-point output by Alabama. I, I don't see – I think Georgia's going to, you know, they're going to have to let it go early, obviously, and put up points. But I think they're going to they're gonna look at that first game and go, you know, we might have hurt ourselves a little bit by what we did in the first quarter, going up tempo, going quick. Because that plays into what Bama wants to do as well. So they'll let you score some points. Right. But you give their offense, you know, a lot of time, you know, really quick. You, they score, you know, we go quick, boom, they get it right back. They're, they don't have that time to sit on the sidelines and kind of let the momentum break. I think we're going to play a little bit slower. I think we still need to be aggressive, aggressively fast, but I, I think we're going to play a little bit. I don't think we're going to try and just play up tempo or anything crazy like that. I think we're going to get the run game involved a lot more. And listen, here's the, the reality. There's no reason not to hold Stetson Bennett back anymore. You let him run. You let him – you design runs with him. You do whatever you can in this game because it's the last one of the season. Right. Um, there isn't another one after. And and so I just think it, it lines up a little bit better for Georgia to be the more aggressive, unique play-calling team than Bama. Sure. probably showed a lot of their arsenal in the first game. Well, I got 31-21. I think that they they break that 30-point plane. I don't think Georgia's able to hang with that. So that's what I've got ultimately as my final score. I'd love to see the dogs win. I just don't have the faith. All right, let's wrap it up here. We went about 50 minutes on this one game, so you love to see it. Uh, hopefully you're in the car on your way to Indianapolis. If not, you're maybe uh, just uh, sitting around the house here on Saturday it's cold as hell here in the South as well. Uh, heading up to the Great White North, it's going to be even colder. I don't have enough clothes. I'm going to look like Joey from Friends. Could I be wearing any more clothes? Uh, and I agree with the tweet I just saw, Pierce, uh, that said, my screen time on Tuesday is either going to be 14 hours or zero. There is going to be no in-between because I'm either going to be living life large or I am going to not want to speak to anyone or view any media at all. I'm going to ride in silence. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. That's so funny you said that because no joke, I didn't listen to a single any thing. podcast that was mm -hmm. or, or, or read any articles or consumed any media content, anything for three weeks leading up to this Michigan game. And as soon as that game finished, I just couldn't get enough of, of Twitter, sure. couldn't get enough of everything under the sun. So I'm with you there. It's either going to be Screen time is, uh, you know, maxed out on Tuesday or boy, the screen time will be going way down for the next week. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us uh, for the season here. We will be back 
with a wrap up podcast. And like I said earlier on in the episode throughout or sprinkle throughout, I was like, that'd be a good off season content podcast. We'll probably do maybe like a monthly check-in throughout the off season. We both are pretty busy with other things. So I can't guarantee it's going to be on a regular basis, but we'd love to have check-ins and not go totally dark on you guys. So make sure you're following us on social media. I'll be posting on Instagram from the national championship. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to, to, to be on my phone during that, but I want to be able to document it. So make sure you're following us at brag and pod on both Twitter and Instagram to make it feel like you're there. Um, and, uh, you can also be, also be subscribed here. Couldn't my words out, be subscribed here on the podcast feed, wherever you're listening so that you don't miss any episodes upcoming throughout the off season. All right, that does it for us on this national championship preview. Unabashedly, I'm going to throw in a good go dogs. And until next time, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.